Hey, it's me. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Paul Leslie Hour. It is a pleasure indeed. I'm in the middle of nowhere, truly. Well, I see a little dog in front of me, and I guess middle of nowhere is totally subjective. But I'm going to present this interview that was recorded for the radio show, bringing it out on the podcast. This is an interview with singer, songwriter, and recording artist Sylvia. You're going to hear her talk about her life as an artist in the world of country and Americana music, and about her other calling, life coach. You're going to find Sylvia to be a very open person. I learned a lot from talking to her. It was interesting to hear about her following her dream and going to Nashville to try to make it in music. If you want to support the mission of the Paul Leslie Hour, that of getting all these stories out there and to you, just go to thepaulleslie.com. You're going to find somewhere there a button that says support the show, whether it's a little, like five bucks, even less than five bucks, or a lot. I can promise you it's going to go to a good purpose. Anyhow, let me know what you think. I hope you enjoy hearing from Sylvia. Our special guest, Sylvia, is an ACM Female Vocalist of the Year. She's had 20 singles on the country chart, several number one hits. A singer, a recording artist, we're honored to welcome her here. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Thank you, Paul. It's good to be with you. It's our honor. Well, thank you. What is the most rewarding thing about being an artist? Hmm. Well, I think at the core of it all is that you get to express your heart through music, through singing. Singing is my passion. I love it. But if you're doing that in a vacuum where you're not connecting with other people, that then something's left out. So there's something about singing and connecting with people in a genuine, heartfelt way where there's a resonance there. There's just something beautiful about connecting on that heart level with people through music. So how do you connect with someone? Well, I think it starts with an open heart. You know, it's taken me years of performing and songwriting and singing and growing as an artist to begin to understand that very question. It's a great question. I think it starts with me. You know, I can't control anything or anyone but myself. And and my intention when I step out on the stage or when I'm in front of a microphone recording a record is, you know, in in the case of a record, I'm I'm being at the service of the song. And that's my goal is to be the uh, the conduit through which that story can come through. And the more I can get out of the way of that and let the story speak and let the, you know, that then the emotion is just naturally there. It gets captured. And it's taken me years to understand that, you know, in the early days of recording, you know, I felt like I almost had to sing and put the emotion on the song. And I think I have grown to a place where I kind of approach it more from the inside out than the outside in. What is the most challenging thing about being an artist? Well, today, probably the, you would get a different answer depending on what I'm dealing with in the context of my life right now. 
I think the most challenging thing for me right now is, you know, since I had a career that was highly successful in the 1980s and was traveling a lot, in those in those days, the challenges were, you know, just trying to get radio airplay and 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 trying to, you know, have success so that I could keep touring. Today, I think, you know, because I'm not, I get radio airplay, some on classic radio stations, but I don't really pursue trying to you know, compete with the, the current artists today. So my goal is to get myself out there on the road and, and do concerts again. And so it's, there are new challenges. I just recently spoke with some people that are going to be booking me. So I'm going to have a new booking agency I'll be working with in June. So I'm very hopeful that I'll be getting back out there on the road. So the biggest challenge for me at the moment is is just trying to find ways to get myself back out there in front of audiences that want to hear this music. And what about the most rewarding thing about being an artist? (sighs) Getting to do what I love. (laughs) I love to sing. I love interpreting a story through song. I love the challenge of of making music new every time you sing it. Even if it's a song you've sung a thousand times. That challenge just it just makes me happy. <laughs> I love being very present with what I'm doing and when you are present and you drop the past and you have no anticipation or expectation of what the outcome is going to be, you just are there with the song. That's the most alive I think I ever feel. We're talking with singer and recording artist Sylvia. I want to go back a little bit. What was life like in Kokomo where you were growing up? Mm -hmm. Well, there's not much music going on there. That's that's for one. So my, my love of singing began very, very early. I remember listening to a jukebox while my parents, my mother did laundry at the laundromat and was just mesmerized by the music I was hearing. And I loved mom. My mother says that even when I was in the crib, I would just wake up in the morning and instead of crying, I would be just lying there humming. (laughs) So music is just so, and making sound, making, you know, using my voice has been just something very natural to me. It's not anything I thought about a lot in the beginning. But, you know, when people start commenting, oh, you should be a singer, you know, then I began to feel like, oh, that's my path in life. This is what I do. This is what I do. I sing. I make music. What it was like in Kokomo was just, you know, dreaming about moving somewhere when I got out of school and when I got moved away from home where I could create a career in music. And because my father and a lot of half of my relatives live in Tennessee. It was a natural progression for me to decide to move here right out of high school. I grew up in the Midwest, but I spent a lot of time in Tennessee growing up, visiting my grandparents and family down this way. So, and also listening to the Grand Ole Opry, but listening to WLS Chicago, which is a rock station. So I had this very um, mixed kind of influences musically and therefore I think my sound and what I and gravitate to naturally is kind of a mix of more pop sound and more acoustic and folk and country. It's kind of all in there together. With you listening to those two stations, the country and the rock station, who would you say that your biggest influences are? 
You know, there's something about country, I think, that ultimately was the bigger influence. I think, you know, hearing people like Tammy Wynette, like Dolly Parton, I watched her TV show every every weekend when it would come on, and, you know, that she wrote her own songs was also a factor in, in an inspiration. Then, of course, every female singer is influenced by Patsy Cline. She was definitely like the singer's singer, and I was very influenced by her, but I the other singers... Like in the pop world, I really love Karen Carpenter. So she was a big influence on me as well. So that's those are the first ones that come to mind. Is there one that you could say is possibly your biggest influence? I would say it'd have to be Patsy. Patsy Cline. I, I really like, yeah, Patsy Cline because she really emoted. You hear songs that you like and you think, oh, I love that record. But when you heard Patsy sing, it made you curious about who is this woman. You knew that from just listening to her music that she has experienced what she's singing about. I really believed her. I wanted to know who this person was rather than, oh, that's a hit record and I love that song and I love to sing it. It was just different. It felt more personal and I was drawn to that. Do you think that was a big part of the reason why the genre you ended up in could best be classified as country. Yes, I think the genre that I'm in is probably a good fit. I think the music that as I evolve as a writer and as a singer, I would think I may be leaning a little bit more toward the Americana label. It's hard to, you know, it's hard to categorize what you're doing. And of course, when I'm making music, I don't care what genre it is. It doesn't, that's like, not even on my radar. I don't care if it fits where it fits, and especially these days, because I'm not, you know, in the 80s, I was really going for trying to make music that the radio stations in the country field are going to play, and and that that's what you do. But as an independent recording artist, it, it feels like there's, there's not those restrictions in place where I'm trying to thread some kind of needle of, of making it fit. I just want to, I want to create a record with instrumentation that suits the song that actually is a support to and enhances the story. That's, that's my concern at this point. When you went to Nashville to pursue, to completely and fully pursue the career in music, what did that feel like? Hmm. It was uh, exciting. It was a little scary because I didn't know anyone, really. I had made a previous trip or two to Nashville, knocked on a few doors, had made, you know, just introduced myself to a few people, but I didn't really know anyone here in Nashville. So I was mainly excited, but I also was very, very shy as a kid. And I knew that if I was going to convince anyone that I could sing and stand on a stage in front of thousands of people, I was going to have to confront being shy (laughs) because, you know, just, uh, and I think basically still I'm, I'm a little shy, especially, you know, in intimate crowds, Uh, you know, I'm better at it than I used to be opening up, but it was, you know, it was a different town. It was a different music industry. Then literally I parked my little green Maverick down on music row here in Nashville and got out of my car and walked from door to door and knocked on doors, literally, and met a lot of people that I still know in the industry that way. But for people that aren't familiar with Music Row, it's it's mainly, especially then, it was just, it was an old neighborhood 
that had the houses had been converted into publishing companies and record labels. And so it felt like a little housing community, but it was actually businesses. And so you just walk up to doors and some places you could get in and see somebody and some people would say, you have to have an appointment, you know? (laughs) So I really did it the old fashioned, uh, you know, knock on doors, introduce yourself. And I had some very good fortune in those first few weeks I was in town because I ended up within a couple of months getting a job working for Tom Collins, who produced my first four albums, which is kind of interesting. You think, well, he hired me because he thought he would record me someday, which is not the case. No, he just his secretary actually kind of took me under her wing and watched out for me. And when the previous secretary left the receptionist secretary who was Janie Fricky, by the way, <laughs> she called me and said, do you want this job? And so I ended up working at a music publishing company on music row for the first four and a half years. I was in Nashville. I helped pay my bills and I was getting, you know, studio experience singing on my lunch hours and evenings doing demos. And so that's those first few years were like going to school in the music business. Do you think somebody could do that today, as in go on Music Row and knock door-to-door? Oh, they could, but I don't think they'd get very far. And it was even hard then, believe me. It was not easy then because there were a lot of places I never got past the receptionist at the front. Hmm. And it's even, I think, well, the business is very different today. There were several record labels back then. I think now there's maybe three, three or four major labels. I think it's very, very difficult to get in without somebody referring you and making the call and getting you in. I think it would be highly unlikely that someone could do what I did now. I never say never, but as difficult as it was then, I, I think it's even more challenging now. It's very interesting to me that you have this career as a recording artist, a songwriter, a performer, but then you've also had this career as a personal and professional development coach. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. That's very interesting. Well, it's believe it or not, it's been kind of a natural progression. Of course, in this business, you meet a lot of people. I meet a lot of people that are trying to get into the business. I know a lot of people that are songwriters and music professionals. Through the years, I've always been interested in people, just the psychology of, you know, how we how we become or who how we become who we are and i have a deep sense of empathy for people that are moving through some kind of difficult change i've i've gone through some difficult periods of change in my life and and in my own growth process i've learned of some great tools to help me through that and coaching is a wonderful tool or profession you can be the one tools to help people move through change. And so when I heard about coaching several years ago, I'd kind of come through to an impasse with music. I didn't, I was recording independently, but the internet had, had not taken off yet. There wasn't Facebook and Instagram and Twitter like there is now. And I just couldn't quite see how to, how to get myself out there. And in the meantime, I heard about coaching and became interested in taking the training to become certified as a coach, a life and career coach. I call myself a personal and professional development coach because really I'm in my work meeting with people, usually one-on-one, sometimes in groups. I work with groups sometimes, do workshops, but mainly I, I work with individuals. 
And I'm just in a series of conversations with people to help them deal with whatever they're they're facing in their life that feels like they're stuck or they want to walk that path with somebody to get the clarity they need to move forward and not feel like they're bumbling as they go, but they're they're actually making decisions and taking action with intention. So when somebody comes to you and perhaps they come to you and they say, I realized for the last 20 years of my life, I haven't enjoyed what I'm doing. And it's really, really starting to affect my soul, Mm -hmm. everything about Mm -hmm. me. How would you approach something that's such a huge question to ask? What do I do? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think we try to think our way into those answers. And, and and that's just a natural human inclination to try to do that. But what I'm very interested in when people are unhappy with what they're doing, my the question that comes up for me is what makes you happy? What what do you enjoy doing? Because I believe we are all born with innate innate gifts. You were born with them and and you know, we often are in conversations with our friends and our family and our colleagues you know, about what we don't like, what we're unhappy with. But rarely do we get into conversations about what we do like and what we enjoy and what comes natural to us and we could consistently do it and be joyful about it. No one really talks about those things. And as a coach, that's what I'm interested in. Because if you want to make a change, you got to, you're, you're wanting to make a change so that you're moving toward more and more spending your time and energy doing things that bring you joy and that you enjoy giving to others. That's the cyclical piece that wants to happen in our lives so that we feel fulfilled and feel like our lives have purpose and meaning. And so that's the kind of conversation that I want to get into with people who are unhappy with what they're doing. We're talking with singer and recording artist Sylvia. You have this album, It's All in the Family. What does that title mean? Mm -hmm. Well, there's a song on the album called All in the Family, and the line in it is, you know, it's all in the family, meaning the joy, the challenges, the the uh, hard times, the good times, everything is, is in family. And I just particularly think that that song is the, kind of the heart and soul of this whole record and is the thread that runs through everything. I didn't plan it that way. Each song was written along the way and recorded as we went. It it wasn't like we chose a bunch of songs. It was like, oh, I'd write a song or co-write a song with my friends, John Locke and uh, Tom Schuyler, and then, okay, let's record it. And so that's how the album came together. And once we had, you know, the songs recorded, then it was like you look at the whole album and say, what's, what's, what's this album about? And that song just kind of felt like it just really was the thing that is like the the title. It just kind of rose up. That's what this whole record's about. It's about family. It's about connection. It's about relationships. It's about changes that we go through. And all of this happens in the family. You know, it could be your family of origin. It could be your your family of choice. It could be, uh, you know, family can be really very metaphoric. There's a song on there, Grandpa Kirby Running the Hounds. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. It's an instrumental that John Mock wrote. And one of the, the, the spark that really started this whole idea of doing this record 
well, let me kind of back up a minute. Two years ago, I went through a divorce and really it, it kind of leveled the playing field and gave me this opportunity to once again choose how do I want to move forward because the whole trajectory of my life was changing. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to keep coaching. I wasn't sure if I wanted to make more music. I it just I just almost felt like I was at ground zero once again in my life. And so one day, as I was just kind of staying open to the possibility of what, what might want to happen next, I looked up and saw my grandfather's fiddle in the in this glass case that I have it in. He played this fiddle at barn dances when he was a young man. He was born in 1896. So, you know, in the 19 teens, he was playing this fiddle. And I've always been curious about its voice. Like, what does it sound like? And I'd never heard it. And I thought, well, if I make another record, I want the voice of my grandfather's fiddle to be on that record. And I also have his banjo that I inherited. And I I thought, I'd I'd like those instruments to be on it. And that was the spark (laughs) that really began the process for this record. So my friend John Mock, picks up my grandfather's banjo as we're playing around, you know, looking at what we're going to do that day. And this, basically this melody that you hear on Grandpa Kirby running the hounds just kind of fell out of my grandfather's banjo. (laughs) So I, we kind of, my grandfather, I think is a silent (laughs) co-writer on that song. What is the biggest compliment someone could pay you? You know, I think that the that the music moves them in some way that it that it's personal to them. That like when somebody says, "Oh, I heard this song and it made me think about my childhood," and and it it, it gave me this sense of being connected to to my family in this loving way, or something like that. You know, that is a huge and high compliment to me. That whatever I'm doing musically, in some way, it's it it relates to them personally. That is a really important thing. In my early days, you know, I think I would have been, I would answer this question very differently. I would have like, oh, I love your voice or, oh, I love that song. and You sing it so well. Or, it used to be more about me, the the singer. And now it's, to me, it's all about the music. It's just about the song. And it's about me getting out of the way of the song. So if I can kind of disappear and that song can come to life and people connect with that song in a personal way, that is the highest compliment. I would just kind of give you the stage here for anyone who's listening, wherever they may be, what would you say to them? Well, I would say, number one, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your interest. Probably if you're listening, maybe you are familiar with the music I did back in the 80s. And I'm very grateful to have an opportunity to reconnect with people that loved my music then. And I think what I would say is I would invite them to come along with me now. I think sometimes we're we're all kind of sentimental and we love that music that had an influence on us when we were in our young years, younger, maybe our teens and 20s. And I, I think what I want to say is that we continue to be generative and creative all through our lives if we are open to that opportunity. And I'm so excited that at this age, at this time in my life, I'm still creating music. And I want to say to people 
you, whatever, you know, maybe you're not a musician, maybe you do something else artistically or you, you know, you approach your work in a very artful way. We are all capable of continuing to create till the day we draw our last breath. And I just would encourage people to be curious about their own creativity and also encourage them to listen to my music now, if you, especially if you listen to it then. And I think you'll hear the progression of, of, of a life. Why do you think that we as humans are so drawn to create? I think we're creators. I think that's our natural inclination. We, Whether we are aware of it or not, we are creating our lives every moment. And most of the time, we're probably creating things without being aware that we're doing it. That the way we approach going to an appointment in our car, we can do it yelling at the drivers around us, or we can stop and roll our window down, listen to the birds sing, and make our way that way. It's like we are creating the quality of our lives for the most part. You know, I have a friend who's very ill and has been dealing with a really debilitating disease since she was in her late 20s. And she's my hero because she is the most caring about other people. She's a great listener and she's in constant, she's in constant pain and has been all the years that I've known her. But I forget about that because I think she, you know, she engages with life and made a a determination early on to meet life on terms that she dictates. You know, she, she's not going to be wrapped up in her own maladies and and story so much that she's not going to enjoy life on some level. So I guess that's my answer. (laughs) So who is Sylvia at heart? Well, you know, I think who we are cannot be defined. The moment you start trying to put words on who I am, it feels like it boxes you in. (laughs) I know that's kind of a real heady kind of way of answering that. So on another level of answering it, I think I'm an open-hearted, real, genuine. I care about honesty. I care about other people. I, I care about what people are going through in their lives. I love my work as a coach because I'm I'm deeply listening to what other people are experiencing. And I think we all really need and want to be witnessed. We want to be seen for who we are. And so I hope that people would see me as an open-hearted, loving, caring person who loves to sing and is and wants to enjoy life and, and laugh at myself and laugh at things and try not to take, take things too, too seriously, though, you know, it's a pretty serious world we're living in right now. If anyone wants more information, they can visit the website. It's sylviamusic.com. Thank you so much for sharing with us. You've been very open. Oh. Well, thank you. I've really enjoyed this. Wonderful questions, and I appreciate so much the opportunity to talk with you. It was great. Thank you. You're welcome.